All right, we are live for the Friday edition of the Mike and Mario show. And today is somewhat of a special day because it's the first of the month, the last <laughs> month of 2023. And there's a lot of concerns about how 2024 is going to start off from a variety of sectors. So we're going to touch on that and a lot of other things. But before we get into all that juicy stuff, Mario, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing well. And the other reason it's an important day is because it's Rudy's first birthday. Shigay, there we go. <laughs> now, yeah, no, it's uh, quite cold here, uh, yeah. but um, we've had a bit of snow, which is unusual. But yeah, uh, yeah a lot going on in the world, uh, economically, financially, politically, uh, ge uh, geopolitically. I, I saw that uh, they've, they're fighting again in the Middle East anyway. Never a dull moment, man. Uh, but of course, we're going to try to get to as many subjects as we can and, of course, get your guys' feedback. So for those, as you, as you come in, definitely hit the thumbs up button, show your support for the channels. And if you got thoughts, ideas, suggestions, hold on to the very end. We'll definitely love to get to those. And I enjoy the face-to-face -face opportunity where you guys get a chance to plug in with us and talk to us directly. So we'll uh, give the link to that as we get towards the Q&A portion. So I guess just a quick glimpse through this week of activity. You know, what seemed to be the most encouraging for the alternative media community, a.k.a. stackers, was the gold price action because it's above 2000 and it appears to have settled above 2000 minus any slam downs, last day market closing type of things. And so uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on. I got a lot of you know rants that I kind of put together myself. But uh, as of now, it looks as if we're off to the races in a sense or, or 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 what are you feeling mario well you know yesterday was the last day of the month and uh mm -hmm. we closed at 2040 i think and uh yeah that's an all-time monthly closing high so mm -hmm. that's very significant uh the previous uh high was 1989 i think back in april this year yeah so uh today i mean uh gold is continuing to do well we're almost at 2060. That's the high, 2061. Mm -hmm. uh, 2070 really is the key level. That that was the high in uh, 2020. Uh, so we might not get there uh, today, but next week it will probably definitely test that. And we need to, I think, to really break, you know, for people to really um, wake up, you know, not just people in uh, the stackers, but people that don't look at gold. Maybe going above twenty one hundred will, uh, re you know, get mm -hmm. more people in. But uh, I ultimately think that the only way gold will reflect its real value in the long term is when people start trading the paper and buy the real thing. You know, you still have a lot of uh, uh, traders, investors, speculators, funds. They they see gold more as a, a speculation to to make yeah. fiat dollars. Uh, I think they will realize eventually that they need to be actually out of fiat dollars into physical. I don't know when that's going to happen, but when that happens, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be very hard to get any uh, real gold uh, mm -hmm. because right now people are, you know, people are just trading uh, a lot of it. Of course, not you and I and uh, a lot of, of our viewers. Right. So that's how I see it. It's encouraging. I see that silver today is up, but not as much but mm -hmm. silver is doing well as well I, I do still expect silver to outperform eventually yeah and right now it's 25 ish give or take depending on whatever you know metric you're looking at and so uh one thing i noticed uh outside because you know i did a little rant on and people were saying like well i'm not gonna really get excited until you know it breaks the previous high and then shoots past that and i'm like okay that's a great perspective but for the newbies to the community that don't know the real importance of gold as a, as I call it, a monetary constant, you know, the gold hasn't changed. It's just how we measure it. I'm like, what do we, what, what if we were to uh, reverse the way we look at metal price wise and compare it to or measure it in fiat currencies? And so I was actually, I was looking at the uh, inverse chart of metals, uh, of gold in particular. And let me just share this with you real quick here. Yeah. So how uh, many, how many uh, ounces of gold you can get with one dollar, which is one two hundred thousandth. <laughs> yeah. Right. But and another thing. So what I did was I put USD um, as the. Let me see. Go back to this. Oh, yeah. 
because usually so, so tip- usually it's XAU USD. You put it the other way around, yeah. Correct. So typically, whenever we're talking about price action, we're looking at okay. So right now, you know, it, you know, goes at two thousand fifty, you know, fifty, whatever, whatever, and we look at the trajectory of gold in USD terms going up. But if we look at gold as the monetary constant, when I re- just reverse this and I make the measuring stick, you know, the the price of how many units in fiat rather or the, the value of the fiat over time, the fiat value goes down in reference to oh, the yeah. uh, gold price. And I did, I did all the Dixie country, all, all the Dixie currencies. Cause somebody brought up the idea that, you know, what about the Dixie bass? You know, the Dixie's at one Oh three. I'm like, well, no, it doesn't really matter because it's a measurement of all fiat currencies that are failing in real time. If you use gold as a measuring stick. And so I just zoomed out 10 years cause that's all that's available here. And as of right now, if gold was the anchor and you use the USD to measure it in value terms, it's down. Fiat is down. Federal Reserve note is down 40 percent right yeah. now over the last 10 years. Yeah. If gold was the standard that we were measuring in fiat by. So, oh, yeah. you know, one goes up, other go down. But ultimately, the point is fiat is <laughs> the last place you want to be in the end because <laughs> there's no future in it. It's going, off, off, going uh, off the chart down off the charts there, but yeah, fiat, fiat currency uh, politicians and central bankers they can print ad infinitum, and I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to stop. Gold right. is uh, more difficult to find, <laughs> and uh, you know it's rarer than than paper or just a uh, you know uh, funny funny currency. There's another website called FX Top, and. Mm-hmm. You can put the gold before the dollar yeah. first and gold after in terms of gram and it, uh, grams and it goes back all the way to 1953. Uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, the dollars lost 98% since then. The pound has lost 99%. Uh, it's only 1%, but um, it makes a difference over 70 years. The best yeah. performing uh, fiat currency versus gold is the Swiss franc. So if you want to stay in fiat currency, which, which I wouldn't want, uh, the Swiss franc is probably the best one. Yeah, do it to your own demise. And so that's just something I thought was very encouraging. And so between now, so the next question would be between now with all this you know, price action around gold, internationally speaking, as well as in the USD, the, the fact that the USD is seeing some upward trajectory is promising given that all the other currencies are already at all-time highs. And so between now and March 11th of 2024, when, you know, the BTFP banking emergency fund is either prolonged, canceled or whatever happens between now and then, I, I would imagine barring some type of unforeseen event, you know, the gold price was, should should be should be a lot higher than what it is now. But then again, we never know if the controlling force yeah. is still trying to keep things down. But yeah. I, I want to pivot a little bit uh, into the banking contagion you did a video earlier just highlighting the losses that are piling up and they're happening everywhere so it's not like you know we can just you know focus on one particular sector because it's happening with the the federal reserve balance sheet we got you know the the banks here then we got the programs they set up and so i was also thinking about like okay right now 600 and some 85 or whatever you know what happens if we get to that trillion you know are we heading towards that trillion mark and then what? Like, you know, those are, you know, that's major losses there. And we're not getting a full story here. So could we see a trillion plus heading into the new year and the decision being needed to be made for that BTFP, which is still, it's only a hundred or so billion dollars. So there's a big gap there. There's a, there's a big gap there of, of possible funds needed. But what are you feeling? What are you thinking? The key, I think, uh, as to whether we'll get to a trillion in losses is the bond market, because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of these institutions, they, they carry, you know, investment securities, as it says, it's mortgage bonds, treasury bonds, mm-hmm. and treasury bonds, uh, or treasury securities, they've rallied in the last month. So their prices have gone up. Um, and uh, I'm not sure mortgage, mortgage securities probably have rallied a little bit. Uh, so I actually think Maybe because this is for the third quarter, this mm-hmm. uh, this bar here, the last one. So in the fourth quarter, which we should get, um, when should we get it? In the beginning of February, I think. Uh, no, beginning of March, the, mm-hmm. we should get the numbers. Mm-hmm. I expect maybe the losses to 
shrink, but mm-hmm. only because the bond market has rallied. And, and I think the Fed and the Treasury in the last month, uh, they've done everything possible to manipulate Treasuries higher. And mm-hmm. why do I say that? Well, because uh, Yellen announced in the first of November that she was going to issue uh, less long-term Treasuries and more short-term Treasuries. That helped the market rally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you remember Bill Ackman, uh, a hedge fund guy, back in the mm-hmm. 23rd or 21st of October, he said, oh, I've closed all my shorts for Treasuries. You know, the yield is at over 5%. And he publicized that. I think he got a nudge. You know, mm-hmm. he, he to, they called him and said, "Look, we're gonna lower the amount we're gonna issue. The market's gonna rally. You know, help us out. Close your position. You've made money, and uh, you know, go the other way." And I think that's what's happened. But um, I don't think things are getting better in terms of uh, the bond market. And and I I do see yields going back up. Whether they do it. From now to the end of the year, or in the in the beginning of next year, is a different story. Mm-hmm. But it could definitely get to a trillion, and a lot of people are going to say, "Well, a, a lot of it, these losses are uh, held to maturity, so it doesn't matter." But mm-hmm. the same thing happened in March. You know, a lot of depositors in SFB saw those big losses, even though they're held to maturity, and said, "Well, I don't want to stay with this bank. I'm going to take my money out." You know, yeah. and, and if it starts getting to a trillion. You know, yeah, people are going to be concerned, especially if they uh, don't renew the BTFP. A hundred percent. And so speaking of that, uh, let me get to this next little article here, Uh, just because I think a lot of attention should be on the banks because of what happened last March was more so like a warm up. So this is just a little subreddit from Powell says the quiet part out loud. And he's talking about just all the losses incurred. And of course, the Fed, as of right now, mm-hmm. underwater by one, was it uh, one? Let me see what the figure here. Uh, 1.2 billion trillion. I'm sorry. Uh, no, over 120 billion. I'm sorry, my bad. Of, of current losses that they have. And then we have the response to the banking issue back in March, where primary credit kicked in the moment that SVB and all those banks started going under. Then FDIC kicked in with their emergency funding and then they created the btfp which was designed to instill confidence so people wouldn't run into the bank so things have quieted down in the mainstream media but the issue is still at hand because the btfp which is still you know trending sideways and up a little bit and so as of now i was listening to um some commentary and they were saying that as of today let me get my articles here as of today there is no official exit plan or uh, resolution for this emergency measure that was put out there. And so as of March 11, between now and then, something has to be made, some decisions have to be made. And so my question I put out there was, you know, is March 11th or before then going to be a day of reckoning to where some tough decisions will need to be made on top of all the losses and things like that you touched on. And so can 2024 be another banking catastrophe of some kind if this right here is not utilized even more? Yeah, it's a little bit of a catch. I mean, uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know, for for Powell, because if he says right now, oh, yeah, we're going to renew it, it shows that he's worried about the banking sector. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. if he come March 11th or whenever they uh, this comes due, he hasn't done anything, it, it might be also, uh, you know, uh, problematic. Uh, you know, considering the, you know, depending where treasuries are, if yields are back up above 5%, you know, so yeah, it's, um, it, it will be an interesting first few months of the year, you know, um, January, um, February can, can be quite, quite interesting, I would say. Yeah. Now on another note, as far as like a, 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 a um, uh, what you call it, like a, a, a backstop with the reverse repo action. And so I've noticed a lot of people talking about how come February, and if you mentioned even February, March, let me grab that if I can. Uh, that's the wrong one. Where to go? Um, uh, nope. Got my got to get my windows together. But anyway, you mentioned that by between now and February ish, March ish, the reverse repo could be down to zero or drained. And at that moment, the currency that's being used there or being removed 
is that somehow some way helping the banks in reference to the complete losses of 685 from Q3 to the to the 100 that's being borrowed as of now from whatever banks in between that large gap there could the reverse repo funds that's being removed be something to help prop up sustain help make banks operations run semi smooth now type of thing or, or what well, I think the reverse repo helps uh, keep uh, demand for uh, U.S. Treasuries. So what that means is that the you know with all the issuance that we're going to see uh, in the next few months or year, um, mm-hmm. if uh, yeah, if there isn't that you know much demand for Treasuries, and uh, I think it's down to eight hundred eighty-seven billion, who's going to be buying those Treasuries and? And that could lead to higher treasury yields and higher treasury yields will hurt the balance sheets of the banks, right? Mm-hmm. Indirectly. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem with the, but, and, and, you know, everyone's talking a lot about the reverse repo and I have spoken about it as well. And it's a really, it's kind of complicated, even for people who mm-hmm. work in the markets. I remember when I worked in the markets, the repo market was a bit like uh, something uh, unusual, so we, I think we'll have to wait and see, but it's not not a good thing. It's another negative along with the uh, BTFP, I would say. Yeah. So in the crosshairs of all this confusion <laughs> are the depositors <laughs> and yeah. confidence being confidence remaining in the systems that have been set in place, even though clearly on the banking side, they're trying to prop things up with these emergency windows and all these funds mm. that are there. And so as of now, you know, it, it all boils down to whether the Fed pivots or not, whether there's a pivot baked into the cake in the beginning of March or not, because something going to be exposed and it won't be favorable for those who think that what's in those in the hands of the bankers is actually there. So um, I can imagine, you know, as a result of all this, there'll be more confidence in people wanting to get out of the system. And that right there puts more of an upward trajectory on gold and silver, mm. and which makes it very hard to keep those under control as well price wise so um we're going to be off to a off, off to a hell of a 2024 based on yeah. just the things we talked about here yeah i think it's uh if you have over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in 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 your bank i think you're playing with fire and mm-hmm. uh we're hearing a lot of anecdotal uh stories you know evidence about people uh being um ask loads of questions if they move money out they're making mm-hmm. it more and more difficult and i think that's one of the reasons they want to move to uh you know digital uh because mm-hmm. with with uh i don't even call it cash it's like with the promissory notes and coin coins mm-hmm. you at least can get out of the system and the reason i don't call it cash because originally cash was like specie or gold and silver coins so I still think the best way to be outside the banking system is through gold and silver, physical. Uh, uh, but as I said, most people see gold and silver as a speculative uh, trading uh, commodity, and uh, they want to make more and more fiat dollars. But uh, you know, it's almost like uh, if you go uh, back uh, to like 2017 or 18 in Venezuela. You know, mm-hmm. uh, before everything kicked off, high, the hyperinflation. If you're trading gold, you know you could have done well. And then I think gold went down quite a bit for a year or or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> if you got out because you said, "Oh, gold has come down," you know, a year and a half later, you would have lost everything in terms of purchasing power. So what I'm trying to say here, uh, look at gold as an insurance because I, I think we're near uh, a point where the fiat dollar is going to purchase a lot less plus the safety of having it in the bank as well is the other reason right more counterparty risk in the days ahead for sure all right so let's keep it moving to some more subjects Uh, as always for those who are plugged in i'm sure you got thoughts and opinions on that so feel free to throw them out in the chat we'll get to them as we move forward um the empire of debt let's get to this little graphic here i didn't have a chance to thumb through it but I did see it. I noticed everything is trending upwards. But um, give us some more insight into what we're looking at with this graph here. I see GDP. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, maybe if you can move yourself uh, above okay, my, my uh, circle. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show how a lot of the growth that we're told that the economies have 
is all because of all the debt. And uh, <laughs> there's one country, Germany, prior to um, 2020, they were running budget surpluses, the Germans, and their <laughs> debt to GDP was below 60%. And their GDP was not very high, it was 1% or 2%. Mm-hmm. But I, I said at the time, you know, Germany, the German economy is doing better because at the time, let's say 2019, under the Trump administration, we had a 5% budget deficit and the economy was growing at three or four. And people say, oh, look, our economy grows a lot more than the German economy. Well, that's because of all the debts. The Germans, uh, they're quite frugal and they have laws to limit the amount of debt that uh, the government can borrow. And mm-hmm. uh, and you can see that by the, uh, you know, the, the blue line is the nominal public debt. Theirs is like half the French, you know, like way below all the other ones. And, and actually their economy is, uh, is done a lot better than the French economy because the French economy has taken on a lot more debt and it hasn't grown as much. Yes, the UK and the US are growing more than Germany, but look at all the debt that we've taken on since 2007. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that I mean, look at Italy, you know, they, they've taken on uh, maybe just a little more than Germany, but their economy is um, really hasn't done much. And that's a different story. There's a lot of uh, regulatory red tape that stops, I think, uh, the Italian economy from doing well. So, yeah, it just goes to show that uh, a lot of the growth we see, uh, Mike, is just uh, is just like pretend it's all on, on borrowed uh, f- funny money. Right. And I remember I'm not sure exactly how it go, but I remember hearing something about for every uh, for every dollar of debt, gro- there used to be the return on that debt, you know, years and years ago was, you know, three, three dollars or something like that return based upon productivity. And now due to a, a lack of productivity, you know, it takes, you know, maybe eight, nine, 10, 12, you know, dollars and you don't get nowhere near the return based upon all the debt that's in issue. So that line of debt is just going to go even higher and they're going to be yeah. squeaking out very minimum of anything because yeah. it's all government growth right now. Government expenditures is yeah. what is considered productivity now. The other thing that's going to make it worse for the private sector, and it's the private sector that drives growth ultimately, mm-hmm. is uh, rising bond yields because governments are going to have to service, you know, the only way they service their debt uh, and higher debt costs is through issuing more debt. So mm-hmm. it, it's a cock, you know, it's a vicious circle. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the super chat here. Appreciate you, Chris. It says, how soon after the Fed cuts rates will precious metals jet higher? Will base metals also follow suit? Thanks. So the time frame of after the well, Fed cuts, will I, the rates, will precious metals fly? I, I think? think they're already uh, kind of forecasting it right now. You know, right now, gold, uh, as we speak, is almost only $9 from the all-time high. Uh, mm-hmm. So usually uh, markets, uh, they forecast things in advance. Um, you know, they're telling us the, the Fed's going to have to do this. And if you look at uh, uh, Treasury yields today as well, they've dropped a lot. Like the, the two-year yield is down 12 basis points, which is saying that, um, yeah, the, the Fed's going to start probably cutting rates soon, even though mm-hmm. Powell is like saying one thing and another. So base metals, they haven't really had a very good year, base metals. But, uh, yeah, they, they could pick up. I, I think gold and silver, if you look at 2020, uh, I think they picked up earlier uh, than base metals. And then base metals picked up afterwards. So, yeah, that's the mm-hmm. way I see it. So so the idea of jetting higher, like, you know, could – could, so basically, you're saying that everything is already trending as if like metals is performing in an environment where it's reflecting the interest rates should be cut any minute now. But if they do, will there be that extra exponential like you know shoot up uh, as far as as a jet higher? That'll be that's to to be determined. But anyway, go we're going yeah. go on a good trajectory. <laughs> I, I think uh, whenever the Fed gives any hint that they'll uh, think about cutting, that will happen even before they do it. So Rob B says uh, 2081 70 right now, Mario. So I'm not sure. 
No, that's well, the, I'm looking at the spot price. He's looking at the December or the February futures. Futures, okay. Yeah, the, the okay. Fu- I don't look at futures. Uh, the spot price is 2061. Uh, the the spot all time high is 2070. So mm-hmm. the February futures might be at 81, but I don't look at that. Interesting. Okay, let's keep it moving. Um, let's get into like, we've got a couple other topics here. Uh, the geopolitical situation. So let's talk a little bit about. Oh, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Oh, let me grab this here. Uh, let me grab this. Uh, find if I can find it real quick. Um, Melee. So he came to visit here in the states earlier this week. Met mm-hmm. with all the U.S. officials, the Clintons, and everybody yeah. else. And um, yesterday surfaced an article saying that as of now. Argentina will not be joining the BRICS. And so I'm thinking, like, okay, is that like something that is was already in the cards? Or it was like, you know, Mille got instructions that, you know, hey, we want to start dialing back on this BRICS stuff. And so that means you can't participate if you want to read re- if you want to try to renegotiate the IMF loans or or what are you thinking with the possibility of the BRICS not going through for Argentina? Yeah, it's disappointing, you know, Mille, uh <laughs> that he met with Bill Clinton. I think mm-hmm. that's a bad, bad, big red flag. Yeah. Even though he he talks a good talk, libertarian, free market, sound money talk, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, apparently one of his uh, uh, officials that is working yeah, yeah. on the transition said they're not planning to join the BRICS at this time. He didn't say yeah, they yeah. Want, don't want to join it. But yeah, he he might have the Americans might have said you know don't join the BRICS and we'll uh, make it easier for you uh, at the IMF, you know. Um, and, and I think uh, you know ultimately he he does want I think to improve things at home in, in mm-hmm. Argentina because it's a basket case Argentina, and uh, so maybe that's he thought it would be better to do that than to join the BRICS. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, apparently he he said that he still wants to uh, abolish the central bank. I, I heard someone say, "Yeah, he'll close that the central bank and then open another one." I hope not. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> uh, hope he uh, abolishes for good. He he did say in an interview he gave uh, after he won that um, mm-hmm. since the central bank was created in 1935, inflation has gone. You know crazy and prior to the central bank being created uh, inflation was only 0.9 percent a year so i'm not sure if he's going to close this one and then open another one hopefully he won't and, but there's a lot of speculation people saying well he's uh, works for the globalists uh, world economic forum and and mm-hmm. stuff so yeah I, I mean as i always say never trust politicians just Look after yourself. Don't look for anyone to come on a white horse and save you. But uh, I, I think Argentina is in such bad shape that he can do something to help Argentina. Uh, yeah. But um, whether he is really uh, for real in terms of being small government and uh, libertarian has to still be seen. We need to give him some time. Yeah, yeah. So I was very skeptical on all that talk, even though it sounds good. It was right. It was what the country wanted to hear to get him in the office. And as always, now can you follow those plans? Because it takes more than one man. You got to have everybody around you, including parties, to help you push your agenda forward. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like at this current moment, like even though central banks aren't necessary, they're basically privatized entities that have monopolized currencies on behalf of states and nations. But at this current moment, like you know, what's the alternative for those guys? Like to abolish the central bank. And then put their own monetary policy in the hands of their own treasury, which is, I'm sure, how it started. Like they don't have the comp- they don't have the competence, I think, to get things on the right track, because they're going to use it in a debt based manner rather than going back to some stable in the form of a precious metal or something of that nature. So, I don't wouldn't I wouldn't have high hopes at all from that country. Mm. Nevertheless, the fact that you know, okay, he's going to yeah, you know, get I, rid I of think, the bank. Uh, one of the things that looks uh, interesting for Argentina is that. He's looking to cut the public sector massively and public sector works and privatize a lot of companies. He said, you know, any business that can be done privately and better, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to do that. Um, so we'll see. 
Yeah, time will tell. And uh, as of course, as next year, I mean, he once he gets in office, the real fight begins. So more power to him. Hope he lives up to some of that hype because I'm assuming a lot of people in Argentina are counting on him to do something. But in the meantime, the whole idea of dollarizing the economy. <laughs> and so like, you know, using, you know, lessening the debt load and actually making the dollar part of their economy outside of what it already is for the average person yeah. like i'm not quite sure that will be in yeah. this country's favor either apparently, because uh, apparently argentinians have like 260 billion dollars <laughs> so Correct. they already used the dollars so it might not be that difficult but yeah you know, what, what if the dollar goes south as well yeah and that and so my thing is it'll be a lifeline extension for the role of the dollar because you have another country coming in to where they can you know take out debt in dollar terms or whatever prolonging the lifespan of the dollar more and so and so that's just one of my things it, it help it helps us who are users of the dollar more than it will help them in the end because <laughs> it's another failing currency on their part so anyway all right a couple more topics here what else we got um so it looks like uh <laughs> uh was it the cop 28 King Charles was speaking. He gave it. I, I listened to his speech. He gave five focal points that he wants to work on for this upcoming decade and going to zero carbon emission and everything in between. And the fact that everybody, all the state officials are sitting there listening to this guy read off a script, talk about how much right now is the time to bring about change. He mentioned about the need for four to five trillion annually to help them accomplish their goals, the need for private and public to work together. And I'm thinking like, you know, yeah, like, it just sure. like nothing good I'm for sure. humanity is in that speech. I'm sure exactly. he's not going to pitch in his own money. It's all going to be us taxpayers. Uh, it's just frustrating seeing these conferences and uh, people buying into this climate uh, scam, really. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't buy it. It's a control mechanism. Unfortunately, there's so much... Um, power behind it you know it's not just the, the west you know you look at i think uh is it dubai or qatar they just announced a huge fund for you know uh climate change and, mm -hmm. and stuff everyone's moving into this uh, electric uh re-electrification you know evs uh yeah. net zero even the chinese even though they're doing it slower uh so yeah, you know, unfortunately, I think it's a, a gravy train, you know, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's going to be tough to stop it. Because, right, that's and, and why do I say it's a scam? Well, because the climate, apparently, uh, there was a, like a minimum that happened in 1850, like a mini ice age that ended then. And of course, from 1850 to now, it's going to be like warmer. But if you yeah. take the temperature further back, you know, you can you can do whatever you want and to say scare people. And, and they've been scaring people for decades, you know, like in the 70s, they said acid rain, you know, and then they, you know, it's going to destroy the world and so and mm -hmm. so. And now it's a carbon, you know, I right. bet you in 10 years time or 20 years time, it's going to be, uh, you know, something of the past, hopefully. Right. So what so what I've gathered from this is they're literally financializing weather as a result of this scare that they've created. They've spun off products, carbon related products. You got debt, carbon debt bonds. You can buy yeah. carbon credit scores. You can buy. And it's yeah. even down to the personal level. And I was just talking about how they got they're talking about now having carbon. Let me put on the screen here. Carbon passports. For travel, so every aspect of an individual yeah. who emits carbon, because we're carbon being carbon beings in general, mm. and so it's going to be a way to tax as well as to make a profit off of every single entity of our lives that uses energy, mm. down to the actual ability for you to travel, and so. Yeah. Like literally, it's just another product. It's another way to make money off of weather, man. To where it's yeah. a genius from the evil standpoint. But it's like it's going to cause more of a burden on us because it's going to be more expensive to do everything, especially if we lose use our carbon limits up according to where they're trying to do stuff. But anyway, yeah, when, when I was driving uh, today to uh, play a bit of golf, I was listening to the radio and they're in, you know, there's an advert for an energy company provider in the UK. And this woman said, oh, I'm a climate uh, scientist. You know, they're, they're creating even 
new uh, sciences. Let me just send you a, a link here because uh-huh. you'll find it really interesting. You, you've heard of the Weather Channel, of course, right? Yeah. Uh, let me send you a private chat uh, link, and then you can pick it up. Uh, there you go. Guess who bought the Weather Channel back in 2011? Uh, uh, I would, I would, I would look at. I would say probably the Rothschilds. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, you're wrong. <laughs> that was a complete guess, but I'm thinking like, why not? Can you, Just can throw you it out bring there. it up? Can you open? Yeah, give it? me one second. Let me go ahead and grab it. Let me. I have to. It doesn't show, so I gotta archive it. One second. Ah. Give me one second here. It doesn't show. Oh, now all of a sudden I can't oh, archive. Back it. in the 19th century. Amshel Meyer Rothschild said, give me control of the currency. Oh, Mike is gone. And I care not not, not who makes the rules. Now it's give me control of the weather. <laughs> so that's why they had to buy the weather channel. Mike is gone. Um, yeah, we're going to wait for Mike. Where are you, Mike? Any questions, uh, guys? Oh, there you, you're back. Yeah, forgive me. Ah, man, I messed up. I thought I lost, we we thought you, we lost you. <laughs> I uh, had a um, what you call it? Had a, a VPN on, and I cut the VPN off. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh, there so you go. Ah, there we go. Oops. So yeah, so I couldn't I couldn't archive it, but so yeah. <laughs> you can see it there. That's from uh, I, I. It's from 2011. So, yeah. Uh, February 2011. So uh, I was telling the viewers why you were off that mm-hmm. in, in the 19th century, the one of the Rothschilds said, give me control of the uh, money, uh, country's money. And I care and who make who doesn't, who makes the law. I care not who mm-hmm. makes the laws. Now it's give me control of the, the climate, media. The, the, climate, climate the, media, the media, the music, entertainment, yeah. food. And I, and I care not who makes the laws. Right. Right, right, right. So just thinking about like, you know, how the privatization and consolidation of all primary mediums of business and commerce has been bought into the hands of a small few to where they're the ones trying to steer this transition. And climate is just the most recent narrative Mm. to pull off the heist, the last heist of humanity, because after this, if if this succeeds, you know, you'll own nothing and be happy with it. And I can see how they made that statement with pure confidence. So question is the resistance like how do we resist yeah. collectively so <laughs> well, keep talking about it maybe and, uh, and hopefully they won't censor us but you know uh the people who own everything are people like the rothschilds and the the big uh funds and they were rented to us um yeah and yeah Sick and twisted, man. Um, let's want to get into some Q&A. We about 38 yep. minutes or so. Let's get into some Q&A. So what I'll do for those who want to um, join us face to face to let your voice be heard, feel free. I'm putting the link in now or put out questions, highlight at RTD or at Manico. So it'll stand out get and we can answer it. Wait up. <laughs> 2000, 2023 edition. Silver yep. Eagles. <laughs> I got someone sent these to me, which was very nice. Uh, yeah, 20, 20 of them. Yeah, you get it. I, lo- get I a- love uh, the sound of uh, money, silver. It, it makes you appreciate the soundness of it, the elements yeah. of it, the purity of it, the fineness of it, all the characteristics of what money used to be. Uh, okay, so. Throw out some questions, thoughts, ideas, suggestions. We'll we'll try to answer it and share our two cents on it. Or if you want to join us face to face, you got the link out there in the description. Uh, click it and join us. And so let's see what we got going on. Seb B says you guys are a great pair. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, what else we got? Uh, will oil prices go up in a crash? Um, initially the price had come down, but the response. Yeah. I think will probably be very uh, shoo, like, you know, it'll yeah. take off like everything else probably. Darren Smith so, is asking a question here. So, All right, one oh. second. Let me go down. Aaron's, uh, where we got the... Mario, uh, have you read The Great Taking? Yeah, I, I've read it and I've made a few videos about it. I mean, Doug Casey was the guy who uh, looked into it first, 
but I made mm -hmm. a video in uh, September, I think, about it, and it's got almost 70,000 views. Uh, I've read the book as well. Uh, it, it's something that could happen, the great taking. It doesn't necessarily mean it will. Uh, it's another reason to have a foot outside the system. Um, Nate says, will they confiscate Rothhold gold? <laughs> Rothhold? Who are they? Who is they? Like the government? Roth yeah, like so. Oh, man, I remember. You, I've read. You, you explain that because I'm not. So no. So would they confiscate Rothhold gold? So I'm assuming Rothschild gold. So my my response would be no, because they are the ones I that. Think, I think he means isn't it Roth IRAs? Isn't it like a kind of pension? Oh, Roth IRA, like Rothhold. I thought you meant Rothschild. Um, it'll be easier to get to that because it's registered. It's a registered financial product that the system is that's in the system. So they they'll be able to look in the database and find out who has what in their IRA. So that'll probably be the first line of attack because it's easy to get to and then go from there. So anything is possible, not likely, but possible because to GLD, my knowledge, GLD as well, it's an ETF and it's registered. They could take yeah. the gold from GLD, even though it's the ban the big banks that hold that gold. So I'm not sure they'll go after it. Right. And they, somehow, some way, they may say that, you know, gold that, you know, is associated with any of these products that is not in the hands of the banks has to be brought back into the banks and you'll have possession of it. You can check your account, but you won't be able to get access to it the way you used to have it. So, you know, they can spend another product, another product off it. Um, Nate says, where do the Rothschild store their gold? That's a great question. And uh, I would imagine they are, they, they've been, they, they have, they have century, oh, centuries holding. Yeah, I can uh, talk. Have, bit about that not that i know but um they uh they're uh nm rothschild which is the london uh bank they're right near uh the bank of england mm -hmm. it's called uh, in saint uh, swithin's lane and uh they've got uh, vaults underneath uh mm -hmm. the bank and the vaults run into uh the thames it's quite mm. near the Thames. And I knew a fund manager uh, about 20 years ago. He he was asked by one of his clients who ha held some gold with the Rothschilds mm. to go check the uh, vaults. And, and there is gold there. And uh, apparently, uh, you know, the vault goes into under the river. And uh, if someone tries to go in there and steal the gold, they have like a, they can open something and the water just flows in and the person... Mm dies you know uh is just uh you know um drowns <laughs> so yeah. but i i would say you know the rothschilds are they're not just in london they're in, in france they're in switzerland uh everywhere they they got their gold uh pretty much everywhere i'd say probably a lot in switzerland you know a lot of them the mountains in switzerland uh they have uh they have big vaults in the mountains switzerland is like a a big vault itself. So yeah. I, I would say they have a lot of their gold there. And so another thing is, I remember just for, for curiosity's sake, always trying to study up on and read. And I actually came across a publication on googlebooks.com seven, eight years ago. And it was a book written in 1897 where journalism was real and people were actually able to give honest you know, viewpoints on things. And they had a, a actual chart in that book listing that at that time it was a it was a it was a headline from like the new york somebody or another saying that the rothschild's gold is the largest stash in the world or something like that and i screen i took a screenshot of it and so one of my computers i can't find it but the book is gone and so that was my only evidence as to how in 19 whatever that article was the rothschild's were the biggest gold hurdles then and it was good to say that they've probably gotten a lot more but i brought this up because they have properties, compounds all over the world. Yeah. And I, I, saw, I saw photos of like they got palaces and castles in every country around the world. They own large masses of territory in every single country. That's how widespread they are. Mm. And they have influence in every single central bank. They're, the, in my opinion, one of the primary shareholders of the big banks that then are the mm. shareholders of the actual central bank. So their webs go very, very deep. To say the least. But anyway, that was a long rant. Hmm. Um, yeah, fill out, throw out some more questions. Anybody, any bold and courageous individuals want to join us face to face? 
I'll uh, put it out there for people to join us. I always love being able to connect with people. So if you're interested, I'll send it again. Um, this is, says Manigo 64. Are you aware that our legal name birth certificate is a yeah. corporation? Yeah, you know, yeah, I know. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. I know about all that. Yeah. And, and uh, if it's in, if it's written in block capitals, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's not really you. You. Yeah, technically, I'm Mario of uh, my family. You know, they 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 give you uh, you know a surname. It's part of the the whole legal system. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you you look at the uh, at King Charles. He they don't really use their surname. You know, so they they have that system for them. You know, common mm-hmm. law that mm-hmm. you know they they just call him Charles. You know, they don't call him Charles. You know, whatever. So, yeah, and um, I mean, we are under maritime law or admiralty law. I know all about that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's and, the thing, uh, like, with that information, like how beneficial has it been? Like, because I know yeah. you, you, you talk like that around here. And most people I know who use that type of lingo, they're in trouble with the law already. Yeah. <laughs> so they're trying to get yeah. out of trouble. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I've looked, I looked into that, you know, I listened to people years ago about that. The thing is, if you try to live like that, you know, you're going you're to be a hermit and, uh, and nothing wrong with being a hermit if you want to be a hermit. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, I, I think, again, you know, the more people know about this, the, the better. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things, you know, technically, the only things that are illegal against the law is that if you uh, hurt someone, you attack someone. You know, if you steal from someone or if you commit fraud or mm-hmm. if you rape uh, someone uh, and you steal, those are, you know, there's not much else. Everything else is just these uh, uh, admiralty, you know, uh, am, ad, you know, admiralty law is not really common law. But uh, unfortunately, they've just changed things over the centuries and. You know, you tell that to some people, they have no no clue what you're talking about. They think you're crazy. Yeah, very much so. And not to change topics completely, but, you know, it looks like there's a few people like counting down as if like any minute now, uh, you know, we're going to hit that all time high. <laughs> so oh, yeah, people are... it looks like it. Yeah, I was just <laughs> looking at gold 2066. 20, we're only four dollars. I think we're going to test it t- tonight before we close. Yeah. yeah, like it. <laughs> People go to pop a bottle of champagne. Boop, let's go. Yeah. We got. <laughs> actually, I, I bought. I, I have a couple. Actually, I might. Well, have to put, I might have to put it in the. Uh, no, I mean, one thing I want to say, uh, not because of gold, but mm-hmm. one thing I want to say, don't get excited. Nor, you know, over the years, I've learned that uh, you don't get dejected when gold goes down, and you don't get excited when it goes up. You try mm-hmm. to say even keel because, you know, we could be laughing here. You know, it's at 2100 at the end of the day. And the next week they bash it. We're back below 2000. So you need to be really emotionless, I think. Anna says, pop the bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, uh, let's get so real quick before we uh, bring these to an uh, end. Uh, I know you wanted to comment on. Let me grab that picture of oh, the yeah. dark gun. Let me. So I'm curious to hear what you talk about that one. Yeah. So this is. Uh, oh yeah. The okay, image. I'll, Go ahead. I'll talk about that. Some of you might be familiar with the church uh, committee from the '70s. It was a committee, Senate committee, that uh, the official name was something else, but it's known as the. A church committee. Uh, they were investigating transgressions or illegal activities by the you know secret secret services like FBI, uh, CIA, NSA, and the guy who chaired it was uh, the guy with the with the dart gun that the CIA used uh, to kill you know assassinate foreign leaders. It, mm-hmm. it shot a little dart and and you couldn't feel it. And it just gave you a heart attack or something. And uh, yeah, this guy was uh, Senator Frank Church of Idaho. And uh, it was the first time that, um, you know, the U.S. government investigated the uh, uh, intelligence uh, agencies 
because they were getting too powerful. And if it wasn't for this guy, they probably still, they'd be even more powerful than they are today. So mm-hmm. he, he wanted to go back to like uh, the constitution. He was very, he was a Democrat, but he was very, you know, conservative. And uh, he thought that um, the uh, intelligence services could destroy the Republic. And I think this is also when we learned that uh, the CIA had an operation called Mockingbird, where they planted hundreds of uh, assets in the uh, mainstream media. So Mm -hmm. it's because of uh, Senator Church that we know all about this. And uh, the other day I went to Gold Investments to have a chat with uh, Oliver and uh, someone had sent me this book. It's called The Last Honest Men by James Risen. Mm-hmm. And it's about uh, Senator Frank Church. And then it was someone that watches my videos, sent it to me. And then I looked inside and there's a, a small note. And I'll read it to you guys if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, Dear Mario, I wanted to, to send this new book about my father, Frank Church, since you uh, talk sometimes about the CIA and Kennedy. Frank was only one of nine U.S. senators that voted to keep silver coinage. Keep up mm. the good work uh, of informing the public about sound money. Sincerely, Chase uh, Church. So this is the guy's son. So I thought yeah. that was really interesting. And uh, yeah. I checked, you know, the Coinage Act of 1965, that was the one that took silver out of the coinage. And, mm-hmm. he was, and he was one of the nine senators that voted against it. It could be because Idaho is a big silver state, but I, I think um, his son is saying that he was a sound money guy. Yeah. Well, that's a good history lesson there, man. No, thanks for sharing that. Uh, well, we're about 50 minutes or so. Nobody joined us face to face. We have a lot of interaction in, back and forth. And so it looks like there's a countdown to goes all time high. <laughs> right down a little bit. Uh, so you know, we got up to 6789. 26 we're at 2066 silver is now catching a little bit of a bid Ooh. 2550 almost yeah yeah so it's gonna be time to pop some bubbly people <laughs> <laughs> where where is uh where's mr slammy is he falling asleep oh yeah or it's, it's still early it's only one o'clock my time so <laughs> it is still early um but as always people um, it was great to connect with you guys. Hope you guys had a great uh, week as well as have an even better blessed weekend. And of course, we're back in December. So we've got a couple more live streams before the uh, Christmas uh, time frame. So we'll definitely try to keep you plugged in on things. And uh, other than that, enjoy life, love, live, and laugh. That's the, the three L's for the weekend. So appreciate you joining us. Anything, Mario? No, that sounds good. The triple L. Triple L's. All right, good people. Be blessed. See you guys later. Peace. Peace.